This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 262 with Jana Denton Howes. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes to our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 262. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Before I introduce our guest today, I just want to let you know that this is an explicit episode because we're talking about sex and intimacy. So if you have little ears around, you might want to put on some headphones. All right. So our guest today is Jana Denton House, and Jana is a shameless mom to two daughters. She's also a marriage coach who is pioneering a movement for women to free themselves from sexual expectations and helping them to redefine intimacy in their marriages. Affectionately called the chief libido officer and husband whisperer by her participants and coaching clients, Jana not only helps married women take sex off their to-do list, but shows couples how to transform conflict into connection in five seconds or less. One of her greatest accomplishments in life has been to beat the odds of teenage marriage and still be partnered with her prom date 18 years later. When she isn't working from her garden shed office, you can find her having a beach fire with her husband and their two daughters or curled up with a book about the male brain. I need that book, by the way. So listen in to hear Jana share why the culture around sex is changing for the better, the causes of low libido in women, and why your low libido has nothing to do with you, what men really want, hint, they want to be desired and admired, and how to convey that to them, and what women really want, 
Another hint, they want to be, we want to be protected and connected. And also what she asks couples to help them make a 180 degree shift in their relationships. So we dive into a lot of different things here. And I have to give a shout out to my husband. We did a little case study at one point talking about things that are kind of triggering in our relationships or things that annoy us or frustrate us. And we got into like one of the common arguments or disagreements that my husband and I have. And I have to just give him a little shout out for being part of the case study and let you all know that as we were going through this, I was like, I did not ask his permission first to like talk about this. And I felt a little nervous about it and a little uncomfortable. And I felt it actually made me feel very protective of him. So I just want to say that he's amazing every damn day. And I so appreciate him uh, (laughs) letting me have this conversation (laughs) without his knowledge and just also let him know that I love and support and appreciate him beyond words in spite of us having our differences that every married couple has. So with all that said, let's go ahead and, and dive in with Jana. Jana, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited for this conversation. I am so pumped to be here. I cannot wait to dive in. (laughs) When you sent me your information, kind of proposing what we might talk about in this interview, I will tell you at first, I was like, oh, I don't know. Are we ready for that? But then I did an interview with someone else on kind of a similar topic, a little different, but this was like, I don't know, probably a month or so ago with Rachel Paws. And I was like, okay, we've officially opened the doors. We are talking about sex on this show. So when I got your question, I was like, I mean, I kind of have already gone there. So people are going to want more of this. So we're just going to go for it today. And I'm so excited. Thank you for having the courage to do it a second time. You will not (laughs) be disappointed, I hope. (laughs) No, you know, it's interesting because a year ago, I think I would have been like, I don't know if that's right. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. But now I've decided that like, that's not being shameless. (laughs) I'm going to be shameless. We've got to talk about the sex. I know. It's a perfect platform. We're doing this. Totally. Totally. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. I just want to dig into what I'm most excited about, if that's okay. Sure. Go for it. I mean, I can go. I live in Canada and take long walks by the beach. (laughs) I mean, I like to rollerblade. That's one big thing about me. You know, I've been married, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, the thing I'm most excited about in my life right now is exactly what we're talking about today. Just like the more passionate, more personal piece about it is that beyond the like marketing and the business part and how I help people and that's all great and and wonderful, but I am so excited right now about the possibility of what I'm doing in my little community and what we're doing here on this podcast could actually change culture. And that is what I'm so pumped about. And it's like a new feminist revolution a feminist revolution that takes into account not only the female side, which is amazing and wonderful and awesome and important, but also takes into account the male side. Because if one dynamic, like one wing of the bird is not working really well, nobody wins. So that is what I'm so, so pumped about that. In fact, what I'm doing in this little tiny corner of the internet is actually starting to change lies and not only in the lies that I get to talk to, but also in the lies that are connected to people that I get to talk to. Like, for example, women are talking to their children about sex more in a more shameless and open way. I just had a client the other day talk to his like dude friends over beer and nachos about female pleasure and like how the woman needs to be the leader of the sexual experience and all that. We'll get into it. But it was just like, oh, my God, I'm just so 
I'm so blessed. I'm so honored. So yeah, that's what I'm really passionate about right now. I love this. And I actually, I'll share that I was recently at a happy hour with some preschool moms from my son's preschool, and I think I completely freaked them all out. (laughs) So I actually had Amy Lang, her business is Birds and Bees and Kids. And so she talks to parents about how to talk to their kids about sex. And she's really open about things. And I think she's fabulous. So I'm telling these preschool moms at dinner, like, kind of what I talked about with Amy on my show and what as a result, how we've decided as a family to like talk with our five-year-old about the birds and the bees and those kinds of things. And we got him a book and other people at the table were like, oh yeah, we got the same book, but like there's certain parts that we skip. And I'm like, oh, we don't skip anything. <laughs> we're going right, right. to reply. I think and all I also, that yeah, I think and I know your book you're talking about because I've been to that moment where like you're 65 like- 65 pages. Yes. Should I continue? Like, is this okay? Should I? And you're right. like, I'm going for it. We're totally. going to do this. My heart's beating. I feel like I want to throw up, but I'm going for right, it. Right, right. So the book's called It's Not the Stork. Yep, that's the book. It's like 65 pages long. It's ah, so long. Like, I by do. the time it gets to the sex, my kid, my son, he's like, can we just go to bed now? <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, so it's awesome. I love all the, like, cute, cartoonish, funny characters yes. and stuff. I highly he recommend it. He mostly yeah. just loves that it says buttocks and anus. That's all he really cares about. He could care less about the sex part. He's like, where does it say buttocks? That's <laughs> like, so good. So. Mike got two daughters, and they were both like, really? Really? I mean, at this point, I had actually told them, but I wanted to reinforce it for them. And so they really knew the details. And yeah. they were like, no way. Really? That's what happens? No. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. That's so interesting because my son, he's five, like it kind of just goes over his head. So he's like, okay, whatever. At some point, he definitely, I think, will be like, wait a minute. Can we go back to that page 49 that I've never really paid that close of attention to? And I think it'll change for him. Also, we went through a lot of infertility stuff. So he knows that like this is how it works for some people by the way the book talks about. But for him, for us to get pregnant with him, we had to go to Dr. Chanel's office and she had to help us. And so it actually has been a really great tool for us to say like, babies are made in different ways. And for some families, it's the mommy and the daddy. And for other people, they go to a doctor's office and the doctor helps. And so it's been like, that's part of the reason the conversation is important to us. And so I love that you want to kind of break down cultural barriers around these conversations, because I think these are the profound things that come out of the conversations is that like my child will not feel like he was a product of some like freaky medical situation because his mom and dad couldn't get pregnant naturally. And that's really, really important to me. And I think that's what changing the culture allows for. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. So let's dive into your story of the story of your marriage and how your marriage led you into this career path. Yeah, I led it straight into this career path. <laughs> it's so direct. There's I can't no wait to hear. Turns. Yeah, so I got married when I was 17 and that sex was a problem right from the beginning. I didn't really enjoy it. I don't think I even knew I had a clitoris, to be honest. I was very, very ignorant about my body, about sexuality. My husband, who I didn't know at the time, had already had a pretty raging pornography addiction. I didn't find out until 15 years later. That was his education, which is not such a great education. And so I didn't have like an orgasm for the first year of our marriage. It wasn't great. He wanted it a lot. I wanted it never. It just was not working. We ended up going to our first counselor, I think about five years into our marriage. And it was super awkward. Oh, my gosh. Like this tiny little box. He asked me about masturbation. And I was like, no, I do not want to talk about this. And it kind of one thing led to another and nothing really stuck. Like nothing really worked. I continued to feel broken. We continued to fight. I continued to feel like I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. How could I fix it? I mean, we went through like top rated sex therapists and workshops, books, coaching. I mean, nothing really worked. 
I ended up becoming a marriage coach because I had done all this relationship stuff in my own marriage. We had gotten to a place where we were, our marriage was pretty awesome, but there was that one thing. I think a lot of couples have that one thing, you know, whether yeah. it's in-laws or money or sex or whatever it is, housework. But ours was sex, definitely. And so finally, I mean, things kind of got better, but nothing like for the long term. I just didn't want it. He wanted it a lot. And then I was like, okay, forget this. I am going to do this myself. I am going to take all the research I've done, all the little bits. I'm going to put them together. I'm going to do it myself. And I am going to create a philosophy, a program, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to fix this. And I did. Wow. And it was amazing. It was incredible. And I felt just like a fierce lion. Yeah. I (laughs) love this. And so I created a program. I teach other women to do that now. It's called 30 Days to Wanting It More. Only because women kept on saying to me, Jenna, I want to want it. I want to want it. I just don't. I think I would have named it something really different, like the crazy feminist revolution to like (laughs) fix everything. (laughs) But I didn't. And through that process, basically just before creating that program, I found out my husband had a pornography addiction. So we launched into our own process of healing. We also created a whole other paradigm for healing from pornography addiction that I haven't seen anywhere. And it's very, very radical and very different, but it was a phenomenal success. So I also help couples heal from pornography addiction as well. Oh my gosh, so much to unpack here. Okay, so let's... I told you. I know. I'm like, I don't know how to prioritize where I want to go with all this. So this is so helpful and eye-opening. I mean, like you said, every couple has their one thing. And I think sometimes... Tell me what you think about this. So like you said, I don't know if you felt ambivalent about sex, but you definitely didn't want a lot of it. And he wanted a lot of it. So you weren't on the same page. What if you're on the same page where you're both just like, eh, <laughs> like, is that different than being in different camps on the issue? Yeah, that's definitely different because there's no problem. Okay. Right? Like if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. If you're totally happy with having sex once in a while and you're both very happy working for you, for goodness sake, just keep on doing what you're doing. Like don't try to create a problem when there's no problem. So it's like a compatibility thing. And for you guys, you weren't compatible because you had very different needs and wants around the issue. Yeah. And it is a bigger issue than that, though. It's just a symptom of Mm -hmm. a systemic problem in our culture. So I have women who come into my program who only come in because their friend has and they're like, you know, they send me an email. Uh, it's not really a problem in our relationship, but my friend just cannot stop talking about this mm-hmm. thing you're doing. So I want to join just to see what's up. And then like literally like two weeks later, I'll get another email saying, oh my goodness, Jenna, I had no idea how the impact that this would have in our relationship because it talks about equality, it talks about mm-hmm. assertiveness, it talks yeah. about, I mean, so much more than just sex. So Sex is just a symptom, but there's so much more to unpack in a relationship. And goodness, we live in a messed up culture when it comes to sexuality. Yeah. What do you think are some of the leading causes of low libido in women? Well, first off, I don't think it has anything to do with the women themselves. I think, I mean, Freud did a number on us back in the day where basically it became a sexual disorder, right? It's diagnosable and it still continues to this day, which just makes my blood boil. So first off, I said nothing to do with the woman herself. Okay, Mm. in some rare cases, you have some physical. I'm not a physician, of course. Go talk to your doctor. But in some rare cases, yes, there are medical conditions like an extremely low level of testosterone in your blood 
or perhaps there are conditions that which cause painful sex like vaginismus, which is the tightening of the vaginal walls. But honestly, in like 90% of cases, it's what I'm talking about right now. It's not so much a physiological problem. So here's what I think it is. I think it has nothing to do with the women themselves. It has everything to do with the culture we live in. And what's happening is women are feeling a lack of safety, a lack of freedom, and a lack of confidence around their sexuality. We are basically trying to fit ourselves into this tiny little narrow box of distorted male sexuality that we see in the, in the media, right? It's not even true se- male sexuality. Because when men come in and, and do coaching with me, they're tricked too. We're all tricked into believing that this is what we want. The stuff that we see on TV, the stuff we see in porn, like this is the hard and fast and gropey and sweaty and all that kind of stuff. It's not true sexuality. And so men come into my coaching practice and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. My, my wife doesn't want me to watch her undress, you know, but I want it. That's what I want. But what they truly want is to be desired and admired. That's it. That's what men want. Desired and admired. Men yeah. want to be desired and admired. Yeah. And so they're pressuring their wives to have this sexual experience in which they think they want. They think that's what's kind of the acceptable sexual experience. It doesn't fit with female sexuality. Therefore, these women are feeling like they should want that. So therefore, they're having this lack of safety, freedom and confidence in their sexuality. Oh, interesting. Okay, so men really want to be desired and admired. What do women really want? protected and connected. You like how I did it? Oh, so good. <laughs> it, rhymes, it rhymes. I love it. Okay. I'm taking notes here. Protected and connected. Okay. So this is so fascinating because I think that I like, I wish I could get a show of hands from everyone listening right now. If anyone would have been like, oh yeah, I totally know that my husband just wants to be desired and admired. <laughs> Those right? are not words I would think of. And also that I think that like, in some ways, maybe that's a huge relief. Yeah. And there like changes the expectations dramatically. Oh yeah. Like, he doesn't want to reenact porn. He just wants to be desired and admired. Like I can That's do that. It? I know. And I'll say that when I'm with a couple and I'll look at him and I say, look, I know that you want to be desired and admired. And he gets this big grin on his face and he looks kind of dopey and like, oh yeah, that's what I want. Right. And his wife looks at him like, what are you talking about? And I say, look, Trust me, because when I work with couples, I ask them to make a 180 degree shift. I hope we can get into what I actually ask them to do yeah, <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah, 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 for sure. If we speak quickly enough, we can get to there. But it's 180 degrees from what they think they want or what, what culture tells them to. And I say, look, we're making some radical shifts in your sexuality and your sexual relationship right now. Trust me, you have never experienced what it feels like to actually be desired and admired. Like I would say like 65, I don't even, maybe even higher percentage of men have never experienced that because their wives are doing guilt sex, pity sex. That's not desired and admired. So they're thinking it's the mighty orgasm. Get, get to the orgasm, get to the orgasm, be intense, be try things out, be kinky, whatever. But it's not that. And they themselves are feeling unsatisfied. So not only are their partners trying to do that, their wives are trying to fit themselves into this, you know, box of male, dis- distorted male sexuality, their husbands are doing that as well. And they think that's what they want. But everyone is feeling unsatisfied and not fulfilled in the sexual experience. What a shame. Yeah, what a shame. yeah. So can you give us some specifics, like specific behaviors women can use to demonstrate this desiring and admiring? Is it like, I'm sure you have suggestions. So can you explain a little bit more of that to us? 
the biggest shift I ask couples to do in the sexual experience, so we're talking about in the sexual experience, right? You can be admired in many, many different aspects of your life, right? But in the sexual experience, and as a side note, oh my gosh, ladies, just say to your husband, you are my hero, you make me happy, and I'm proud of you. Like, just say those things and your husband will beam like a hundred watt light bulb. So back to the sexual experience, the biggest stake in the ground around sexuality that I make is that women are the leaders of the sexual experience and men are responders. So that's what I teach women to be. I teach them to be leaders. And then I show men how to be responders. And literally, what we start like when I'm working with a couple, the first thing I get them to do is, okay, let's get to square one here. Let's go back to the basics. So I actually get the husband to lay on the bed, naked or clothed, whatever the wife prefers. Don't move a muscle, do not speak, do not do anything. And I ask the woman to use his body for her pleasure, which is very different. Usually when we're touching our spouse, when we're touching our husbands, we're thinking, what do they like? Do they like a tickly touch, a firm touch? Where do they like to be touched? Is he having a good time? Is he bored? Is he excited? Is this exciting enough? You know, and it all boils down to our fear of abandonment. If he doesn't have a good time, he will leave me. I mean, it all boils down to that. So I get women to start to learn how to use his body for her pleasure. And it starts very, very basically just with a hand on the chest, extracting the pleasure from the experience, feeling his, you know, chest rise and fall, smelling his pheromones, whatever it is. And we start there. We work up from there. And then what is the shift that men make and how do they demonstrate protection and connection to speak to what women want. So the sexual experience for women, it's all about safety. You cannot feel pleasure if you don't feel safe. And I'm not talking about like, will they be harmed? I'm talking about like actually just feeling like you can be yourself. You can be fully who you are and you're going to be accepted. I don't know if you find looking between your husband's fingers like pleasurable, then for goodness sake, go do it. But a lot of women are just worried, they're terrified that what they like is not going to be accepted, or it's not going to be like, quote unquote, sexual enough, right? This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories 
to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So I just tell men, look, your wife is kind of, there's this hilarious YouTube video. Maybe you should link it in the show notes. I give it to all my husbands for them to understand what this is about. But recently we got a bunny. And so I was searching on YouTube because bunnies are prey animals, right? They're not like cuddly like dogs because they're always on guard. And so I was searching, how do you get bunnies to feel comfortable with like in your home? How do you get them to come to you and to be a little snuggly? Because it's not their nature. And so I found this YouTube video about this guy. He's like, put this bunny in a playpen. I do not tell people to use a playpen, but (laughs) (laughs) like, and basically he sat there for hours while the bunny just walked. He didn't move. He didn't say anything. He didn't make eye contact, but the bunny was able to like sniff around him. It was so cute. Like she does a couple of flips. She like crawls on him a little bit. And you can tell over time, she's just becoming more and more comfortable with Mm. that presence in that playpen, right? So that's all I ask husbands to do. I say, you lay there and don't move because you're creating a safe environment for your wife in order for her to explore her pleasure without you making any suggestions or making any comments, even like moaning from pleasure. Don't do that because you're now taking the pleasure away from her and you're putting it onto you. So you're saying like the sexual experience is about me. But what women have to do is they have to really make that big shift into this sexual experience is good for me, not only from a connection standpoint, from emotional, spiritual, physical and mental standpoint as well. What kind of feedback do you get when you have people practice this? I'm imagining Like for some couples, it could go really well. And for some couples, it could be extremely awkward. 
And so what, oh goodness, yeah. I'm assuming like for a lot of couples, it starts out really awkward. So like, what kind of feedback do you get? And I want to give people kind of an honest glimpse of like what this might actually play out and look like, because I imagine it's something that feels really vulnerable to both parties. Oh my gosh, yes. And which is why I will walk couples through this, right? They're not just on their own. So the first time is always really awkward because the woman is not used to being the leader. She doesn't know what she wants. Mm -hmm. She's having all of these mental gymnastics, right? Yeah. Is he bored? Is he having a good time? So there (laughs) is a lot. Totally the people pleaser is like, like, they're like waiting for the feedback, right? If you're an obliger kind of personality type, you're like, please give me some indication. Don't make this all about me. I know, but that shift is critical. So that shift into actually being really selfish, like shameless about your pleasure, it's the most important shift a woman can ever make with her sexuality. Because men from so many angles are perfect responders. Perfect. When they really get into that role, they love it. They love it. Like this guy over beer and nachos who was talking to his friend. He was like, yeah, I just lay there and she uses my body for her pleasure. And all the guys were like, are you kidding me? Seriously? (laughs) How do I get some of that? Like they love it. And so it's fulfilling for both parties, right? right? Female sexuality is a lot more complex, right? Depending on where we are in our cycle, depending on what we're doing that day, depending on what, like how our day went. I mean, we're going to need different things every single time. So we're like the complex deep ocean, right? Yeah. We're very complex, our sexuality. And the men are like the boat on top, just riding the waves, right? So we get to call the shots. We are the leaders of the sexual experience. So what I do with couples going into this very awkward situation <laughs> is I give them phrases to use. So I get them to talk a lot. And a lot of it is the wife just saying, are you having a good time? Is this okay with you? Is this exciting enough? Are you bored? And I literally said to the guys, look, you might be a little bored. You might be one. (laughs) When are we going to get to the good stuff? (laughs) I said, for goodness sakes, you need to trust me here. All you say is I'm having the best time of my life. That's all you say. This is sex. You know, she's like rubbing his hand. This is sex. This is legit. Because we need a new definition of sexuality. We need a new one. The old one is not working for a lot of women. And the new definition is mutual physical pleasure. We need to take goals off the table. Penetrative sex, orgasm. It's just so ridiculous that we put so much pressure on those two things. When there can be so much. Like women's sexuality is expansive. It's expansive. So for moms in particular... You have two daughters, you said? Yeah, they're almost nine and 10. So what are your thoughts around moms who listening to this and they already feel like their plates are super full and busy and they have to be in charge of a million things. And I always talk about like the role of family manager, how it just kind of falls upon a mom. And you're like, great, now I get to be in charge of like, you know, 3,700 things I'd never signed up for with motherhood because they just fall under this like random umbrella of family manager. So now having to also be in charge of this role in sexuality with you and your husband, it's like one more thing to be responsible for as you're navigating this. So what's feedback for like us type A people who are maybe like, I already have to be in charge of everything. Do I really want to be in charge of this too? (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is the number one question I get all the time. Oh my gosh. I'm so really, I was like, probably no one ever asked this. (laughs) No, I get this so much. Like, wait a minute. I don't want to do that. 
no, thank you. I take care of the budget and the right, housework. Right, right. Like, I, I have to do that. this now. It's like another thing on my list. Great. Thanks, Jana. <laughs> yeah, I know. I say take sex off your to-do list. They're like, what do you mean? You're adding things to my to-do list. This is not fair. So here's a couple of things. So I have couples create what I call exploration dates. So they're scheduled, same time every week, one to two hours. Sometimes, you know, you start with half an hour or work up your way. One to two hours hours. is a very long time. (laughs) Okay. But this this involves... I hear what you're saying though. Yeah. This isn't just like hardcore sex. Like, you know, this is a new definition of sex, mutually enjoyable physical pleasure, right? So I say, look, no one should be responsible for sex. Like this whole awkward dance of initiation and when am I in the mood and I'm never in the mood and oh, like just take it all off the table. It's so unnecessary. All you do is you just schedule it, but it's not about goal-oriented sex. That's why I call it exploration dates, where there's a new paradigm, right? Because if you just think, okay, we're going to schedule sex, and if you have some performance anxiety, my goodness, two days before you schedule the sex, you're going to be full of anxiety, and, and fear and pleasure don't mix very well. So this is just an exploration. It's just an enjoyable experience that you can enjoy together. What I say in order to take pressure off of women is that men just at the end of the experience get an orgasm. That's just it. You can participate if you want. If you don't, go have a shower. But it's just that men always get it. And then that helps alleviate a lot of anxiety for women so they can just enjoy their time, right? Right. Let's say schedule it. My husband and I do it Saturday mornings from 8 to 10. Kids watch TV, doors locked, get a snack. I think they're trying to starting to figure out what mom and dad are <laughs> mornings. But, you know, sometimes they'll knock and we'll just be like, mom and dad are having our alone time. You know, everyone has alone time within the family. Sometimes I have a date with my youngest or my oldest and vice versa with my husband. This is just time for the marriage, right? A couple to hang out and create a really happy and safe family environment. So having sex is good for your kids. So yeah, we do that. And so nobody thinks about it. Nobody's got to initiate. Nobody's got a plan. So that takes care of like the scheduling aspect of it. And then when you're in the sexual experience and you're being the leader, what I find is that once women try this and they actually give themselves permission to shamelessly go for their pleasure and they start to actually start looking forward to the sexual experience rather than dreading it or feeling anxious about it. It's literally like going to yoga. I mean, when you're first getting into yoga practice, like, are you really super, super pumped about going to yoga every single time? Like, maybe you're tired or maybe (laughs) sick. I mean, right? Like, you push yourself out that freaking door, right? You've got your mat and you're just like, this is good for me. I've paid for it. I paid for this session, prepaid it. So I'm going to go. You get there, the lights dim you smell something nice, like, I don't know, those like silk pillows they put over your eyes. Oh my God, those are so good. The music and you're like, oh yeah, this is good. And you feel good afterwards. And so when I talk about wanting it more, it's not so much that like, oh, I got to rip my husband's clothes off or I'm so horny, I could hump a doorknob. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's more of like a fondness. Like I think of our Saturday morning exploration dates with a fondness. I feel sad if I miss it. I also know that it benefits me in so many ways. I alluded to this earlier, but in terms of oxytocin, we all know that what that gives for us, 
feel good stuff like endorphins and dopamine. I feel like it can be a real spiritual experience and really raise that joy and happiness in your life. It makes you feel connected to your spouse. It makes you feel relaxed. It's like you can create this little bubble that you can leave the world for a couple hours and just be in your pleasure, be with your spouse, feel their warmth, feel safe and connected and protected. And so I think that once women start, and I've seen this again and again and again, so I'm not just saying this about my own life, but once women start to do this, then it's not so much a chore anymore. It's a practice of self-care. That makes a lot of sense. And I imagine, you know, the two hour time frame. I'm very impressed that you get two hours of your kids not bothering you on Saturday morning. Yeah. And sometimes we'll start earlier. I'm an early riser. So sometimes it'll be like from six to eight. Okay. We kind of have a window in there, but you need time. You need time to ease in. You need time to talk. You know, if you're doing it in the evening, which I find a lot of couples don't choose the evening, usually it's like nap times or more. So interesting. Because yeah, that would have been the opposite of what I would have expected. I would have oh, expected people to choose evening. Well, think about it. You've got young kids. You've been touched all day by your kids. You've been, you know, providing for people and providing needs for everyone else. You're tired. Like, it's not your best time of the day. I mean, right. sometimes people are night owls. It's just so not me. Like, I start becoming like a puddle on the floor after three o'clock. But that's just what I find is this whole nighttime sex, that, that's a cultural thing. That's not necessarily what fits best for female sexuality. Oh, that's so interesting. I never thought about that being a cultural thing, but that makes a lot of sense that it's just kind of what we're told, like, this is when you should do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So you say you can coach couples and change their connection in a matter of minutes through one simple and profound trick. Can you share that trick with us? Are you ready for it, Sarah? I think I'm ready. I'm not positive. I feel better that it's not a two hour trick because it's just a matter of minutes. I think I can really embrace something that's just a minute or two. Okay. So I have permission. I got pre-approval to coach Sarah a little bit here. Oh, yeah. We did talk. So about we're entering into a little bit of a coaching. I have no idea what to expect here, by the okay. way, for those of you so listening. What need, so what I need from you is a recent argument that you've had. This can be something that has happened recently, or it could just be a pattern that you just find yourself a little bickering. I don't know. Everyone has different flavors of arguing. Sometimes it's really stony silence. And sometimes people get into kind of yelling matches. I'm the yelling match kind of person. But can you think of an argument or a pattern you have? Um... Probably one of the things that makes me crazy is being in charge of the schedule and like the emails that come in. So like we will get the same emails from the preschool email list, but it's somehow like I'm only the only one responsible for actually knowing those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we got to narrow down the actual trigger. So is it when do you feel that negative emotion arise? So either anger, defensiveness, rage, these are all negative emotions. Is it when the email comes into your inbox? No. So yeah, I didn't explain that very well. So after getting an email like that, like, you know, some email that's like, you know, Thursday is bike day and everyone bring their bikes to school or whatever. So it gets to be Thursday morning and it's like on my radar and on my calendar, like make sure you get the bike out of the garage and get the helmet, blah, blah, blah. And like my husband doesn't seem to have any responsibility in that. Okay. 
And this is just like, he actually did a really great job of this last week when I was gone. Yeah. So we're assuming he's an amazing man. Yes. That's There's times saying. though where I'm like, dude, you got the email too. Like, why do I need to be responsible for this information? Right. And so it's the trigger is when it like comes up to the actual moment. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to be in charge of this again. Or like, oh, the kid's birthday party. And I guess you just assume like I'm supposed to go get the gift for the child. I mean, you were on the evite too. So it's that kind of stuff when it like gets to the moment when there's like a deadline kind of situation. I'm annoyed that I was the one that was just presumed to be responsible for it. Okay, gotcha. So the negative emotion I'm guessing is that anger you feel? I mean, anger might be a strong word. It just kind of irritation. Irritation. Yeah. Annoyance. Annoyance and like kind of defensiveness about the whole thing. So you're feeling like, oh, well, I thought you had had this handled. Like, I'm not in the fault here. I'm not to blame that she's not ready. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. 
So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. So I don't ever expect him to have read the email. Like I get annoyed that the pattern is that I just do the things and that if that's just expected. Okay, so so we're going to go with annoyance. Yeah. So the trigger is it's come to the last minute thing and you're like okay here we go (laughs) my turn again then you have a negative emotion annoyance then what's your reaction when you feel that annoyance do you blame do you criticize do you shut down do you yell sometimes I don't say anything and I just like note in my head hmm nice that I was responsible for that thing again other times I'll make like snide remarks I'll be like right good thing I opened that email that was addressed to both of us so that I could take care of this again sarcasm (laughs) like I always do Yeah. Okay. And then does that ever trigger your spouse when you do that? Yes. I mean, not always, but like it can kind of go either way, like depending on his mood. So sometimes he'll get really defensive back or other times he like laughs it off and he'll be like complimentary and like, I know you take care of everything. You do such a great job. So it can kind of go either way. Right. Yeah. If he gets defensive, then I get really fired up. (laughs) Sure. Ooh. And then you got a nice, crazy psycho going on. (laughs) Right. So then you can see how that would go on and on and on. Right. Right. Trigger, negative emotion, reaction, trigger, negative emotion, reaction. Right. And that's why I see couples all the time who are like, yeah, we had an argument last night. I don't even remember what that was about. Right. No one can remember what the actual argument was about. The reason for that is between the trigger and the negative emotion, there's an interpretation happening. And this happens in the matter of like split seconds. Most people don't even know it's happening, but it's there. So let's figure what your interpretation was here. So you had a trigger was, you know, it's the last minute, it's the morning of, and you are packing for something. And your negative emotion was annoyance. Here I go again. What was the interpretation you made about your husband not stepping up and being on the team with you? So the interpretation would be that, and I'm not sure if I'm answering this correctly, but I'm assuming that he's just always blowing things off, assuming like relying on the fact that like Sarah will take care of that. That's her thing. Not that he thinks that that's my job, but like he's like, oh, I don't even need to read this email because Sarah's got it. Mm, So why does that really bother you? Because it's not fair. Hey, <laughs> when I'm like, hurt. was there ever a contract in which I said like I would be responsible for all of the information that comes in from the school emails or the birthday party emails or whatever? You know? Right. So we're doing this really quickly, by the way. But when we boil this interpretation down, it's painful. It hurts. It's deep. And usually it will be something like, I'm not important to my spouse. He doesn't care about me. My needs aren't valid. He thinks I'm lazy. These are kind of the interpretations. This is a favorite one for guys. I'll try and try and try. and I'll never be enough. Never be enough for her. So my gut feeling is that your interpretation is somewhere around the lines of he doesn't care about me. Um, what do you think about that? I don't know that it's that as much as, because I know he cares about me, but 
this is not a rational thing. This is a very irrational thing. So, I mean, maybe, I guess I kind of go back to like, I think more about like, you know, his mom made him breakfast every day before school, even though she worked two jobs and he was in high school and could have made his own damn breakfast. So it's more along the lines of like taking advantage, like kind of mindlessly, I mean, not consciously taking advantage, but kind of like mindlessly just like being okay with someone else, you know, doing the grunt work and being like, that's just their job. (laughs) Like that kind of having this attitude of me again, assuming that this attitude of like, she'll take care of it. She's in charge of it. Like, and sometimes even, and like, he is not like this at all, but even this thought of like, oh, does he just think that's the woman's role? <laughs> and I'll think that in right. my mind. So it gets like, the feminist in you just do that. Yeah, it, it kind of triggers my like whole feminist thing where I'm like, yeah. just because I'm the mom doesn't mean I need to pack the lunch. <laughs> what the hell? You know? So basically he's saying, here, you do this like not so fun task yeah. and I'm going to put the burden on you and you're going to do this. And so I'm just going to go ahead about my business you're going to do this hard work. Right. I generally do find that we don't want to take too much time up on the podcast here, but I generally do find that that generally does boil down to he doesn't care about me. And one little trick I find is that when I say it and then someone will say, oh, no, no, he does care about me. I think, (laughs) oh, we've hit something here (laughs) because (laughs) because that's generally where we'll go. Women will want to rationalize it away. Okay. Because again, it's irrational. These are irrational interpretations because we can look at all sorts of examples in the rest of our marriage where this isn't the case. Mm. But these interpretations hurt. They're painful. They don't feel good. They feel like you've kind of been thrown under the bus by your spouse. Like we're not on the same team. He doesn't care about me, whatever. My needs are not important to him. So those interpretations, that's the one running the shot. That's the thing. That's the little nasty gremlin under the bridge that's causing those negative emotions, which cause the reaction, which causes another trigger and on and on it goes. So to stop this crazy cycle, and this is simple yet profound, so profound things take time, right? Is that you all, we're all going to have triggers. We're human. We're all going to have negative emotions. We're going to have that feeling. But the next time, Sarah, you have a negative emotion around your husband, whatever the trigger was, I want you to think, ah, right, Jana told me. If there's a negative emotion, it means I've made an interpretation. You need to go back to the interpretation before you head to reaction. So you don't want to go to reaction. You want to employ what I like to call the intimacy intervention. So the negative emotion triggers your thought, okay, I've made an interpretation. What did I interpret that trigger to mean about me? Why does this hurt? And sometimes they even get clients to say, pain, 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 ouch, 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 hurt, hurt, hurt. So you're basically telling your brain, look, Don't go into reaction because reaction is a protection mechanism. When we get angry or blame or criticize, that's protecting something hurt. So you go back to interpretation. You share the interpretation with your spouse. You just say, huh, you take ownership of it. You say, I just interpreted what happened there to mean that you don't care about me. I know that sounds ridiculous, but then you ask the vulnerable question. Do you care about me? That makes sense. It's so hard. You know, this is tough. You leave that little pain part hanging in the air there for your partner to either respond positively or maybe blow you off. Or sometimes what I see is that vulnerable question becomes another trigger for your spouse. Yeah. What do you mean? That, right. What do you mean? They get defensive, right? Yeah. I could totally mm. see that. Like, really? Yeah. You're going to ask me that like over something silly, like an email or what, a school lunch or whatever. 
yeah, like, of course I care about you. What do you mean? Last night I took out the garbage. What do you mean? Like, of course, like, because especially for men, you're going to be triggering their interpretation of I'm never enough, always going to be a failure, always going to fall short in my wife's eyes. I don't make her happy. So this is why I say it's a simple yet profound trick and it takes practice. So I work a lot. But when couples nail this, oh my gosh, Sarah, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you the amazing things that happen from it. So much more intimacy. Yeah. So what's the ultimate goal in that conversation? So I'm assuming a lot of people, the you know, like if you have a partner, if you turn around and you say to them, like, I'm sure this sounds crazy, but that just made me think that maybe you don't care about me. And then the person gets defensive, then... Like, what's the next step for that? Well, it depends. If one person only knows this knowledge, this whole intimacy intervention thing, then your work is a little bit harder. Right. When I work with couples... Okay, then you've trained them kind of both, like how one can say it and the other person can practice responding. Exactly. Okay. Furthermore, I give them a magic phrase. So we all make common interpretations. My common interpretation is that I am not enough. That's just the way it that is. And so I will often ask my husband, my common vulnerable question is, is, am I enough for you? Do you like me just the way I am? And so my husband now has a magic phrase for me. So when he sees me spiraling out of control, rather than saying, what's wrong with you? Or why are you so pissy? Or like, are you PMSing? I don't know. He doesn't say that. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He can just say, Jenna, you are so enough for me. I love you just the way you are. Nice. And it just hits me right where I'm feeling the most vulnerable and the most insecure. I love that. Well, and I can see where working with a third party, and I talk, I've mentioned many times all the benefits of therapy on this podcast. And that's where having that third party to give you some of that like really simple vocabulary can be so powerful because yeah. it helps you take some of the like heated emotion and some of the like the potentially like lifelong patterns out of these interactions where you pull yourself out of the pattern before you get too deep into it and you go back to these simple phrases. I love that. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. And what a gift we have. Like a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to have these wounds. I don't want whatever. If you want to figure out why you have these common interpretations, I mean, that's therapy. I'm coaching. So if you want to figure out the why, that's awesome. But for mm-hmm. me, I think I don't think we're ever going to fully heal those things. I think we're always going to have them. And what a gift right. we give our spouse when we say, here's what I need so plainly and clearly. And here's how you can kind of soothe my wound. Maybe not heal it, but soothe it. And you can do that for your partner too. What an awesome blessing we have, you know, in marriage. Right, right. So can you tell us, I know you said you have your 30 days to wanting more. Can you give us like a little hint or tip around how women can learn to want more sex in their marriage? And, you know, maybe a little bit about what it would look like to be in that 30 day, I want to call it a 30 day challenge. I don't know if that's what you call it. (laughs) Yeah, some women say it's a challenge. (laughs) A lot of women do. It's like, okay, all right, here we go. So that's too many. I have too many. I talk a lot about pleasure. And I actually have kind of four paths that I follow. I talked about exploration dates. That's one of them. The other three are prioritize your pleasure and you start with the everyday experience. So I find a lot of women are in a pleasure deficit. I think you and I could geek out about this for a long time after listening to some of your stuff. Women cannot identify what they like, what makes them happy, what brings them joy. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Furthermore, we walk around life with pleasure potential everywhere. 
I'm sitting here in my office. I've got a beautiful turquoise desk. I could just stare at it. I could look at the window. I can feel the, you know, chair beneath my butt. I can feel the warmth of the sun on my shoulder. I can, you know, enjoy this conversation. I mean, there's pleasure everywhere. And when you're driving, grip that steering wheel, feel that feedback, you know, open up the window and stick your hand out and feel the pleasure. I mean, you have a shower, there's pleasure everywhere in your morning coffee, in your walk to school, dropping the kids off. But it's much more closely related to mindfulness than it is to self-care. I think self-care is really important, but those are things we do. What I'm saying is that, for goodness sakes, like either extract pleasure from your everyday experiences or upgrade your experiences. If you're having, you upgrade your sleeping experience, get a good pillow, get a perfectly temperature rated duvet cover, get some nice scented dish soap, get a cushy mat to stand under when you're in the kitchen chopping vegetables, get warm mitts when you're out for soccer practice with your kids. I mean, I could go on and on about how these small little things can make a huge difference. So if you go into the sexual experience and you haven't been experiencing any pleasure ever and you're in a deficit, my goodness, that's going to take you a really long time to get to sexual pleasure when you have all that other stuff to deal with and sometimes mental gymnastics and worrying about your husband and all those dynamics, right? Right. So prioritize your everyday pleasure and then you take that into the sexual experience and you prioritize your pleasure over your husband's yes because he's a responder. And that's what equality is. Equality means not sameness. Everyone gets exactly the same thing. Equality means that you get what you need and want, right? More than what you need, what makes you feel safe and protected. Second path to pleasure is trust what feels good and what doesn't. You know, we push ourselves so much to do things that just make us feel uncomfortable or not safe, or we deny ourselves our intuition. Our intuition is one of the most powerful things that women have. And so we need to radically trust what feels good and what doesn't. A lot of women come into my program, they're like, I don't really like kissing. You know, it's kind of sloppy. It's bad breath. I just, there's a snorty thing my husband does with his nose. I just don't enjoy it. <laughs> right? I tell you, all these women now comment. They're like, yeah, me too, me too, me too. And I was one of those women. I just don't like kissing very much. But you see, that's what in the movies, that's what people do when they get all hot and passionate. The tongue's involved and it's sloppy and it's disgusting. <laughs> and so for a period of time, I did not kiss my husband. We did not kiss. I love cheek kisses, by the way. I love them. And they're just like, who's to say a cheek kiss is not as important as a lip kiss? Like, who says that? And so we would do cheek kisses for a long time. Then I discovered, you know what? I don't really like this sloppy kiss, but I love running my lips over my husband's lips. Back and forth, back and forth. It is so sensual and so sexual and so erotic and my husband dies when I do it and I die a little inside too but I would have never discovered that if I hadn't radically trusted what didn't feel good Mm. which was sloppy wet kisses so you got to start practicing just like prioritizing your pleasure you got to start practicing that that in everyday life one great way to do that is just go out of your door and decide, I want to go for a walk, but don't make any decisions. Every single turn, trust what feels good and what doesn't. Are you going to turn left? Or are you going to turn right? See where it takes you. So this is like conversation. I mean, you probably talk a lot about this in your podcast in terms of trusting your intuition, figuring out what's going to work for you. So that needs to happen radically in the sexual experience. I often will say, if it's a maybe, it's a no. 
that if it's a maybe, if you try to find yourself trying to push, well, maybe, okay, my husband wants oral sex. Well, maybe I'll get a no. If it's a maybe, <laughs> it's a no. <laughs> That's a good tip. Women, I think you said this in my introduction, but women coined the term for me, chief libido officer, because sometimes I just have to get strict with women. If it's yes. a maybe, it's a no. Yes. I love it. The last one is connect with your body. And that is, I mean, we could talk forever about that. And it's so important because I find a lot of women have kind of become very estranged with their bodies. And then you take an estranged relationship with your own body and try to connect it with somebody else's body in the sexual experience. That's very hard to do. And and so I find a lot of women have to disassociate in the sexual experience using fantasy, using, you know, vibrators just to kind of vibrate their way to orgasm so they can get it away quickly. And just how do you come back to say hi to your body? She needs to pee, let her pee. If she needs to drink water, let her drink water. And then the most radical thing, which is very, very profound, a lot of women have a really big moment is looking at their vulva in a mirror and just looking at it like, who cares? You know, if you feel weird or whatever, it's just a body part. It's just like your ear, your nose. But this is really important for you to become comfortable and confident with your body and really get connected with that part of you. Oh my gosh, so much good stuff there. Thank you, thank you. We're out of time and I wanna make sure that you can tell us where we can find you and everything, but I just wanna thank you for everything you've shared today. And there's so many different places that people can dig into this material in different ways. So I'm really glad that we covered as much as we did. Tell people where they can find you and connect with you and use link to your resources and kind of take it in the direction that they need to take it for themselves from here. Yeah, so the best place to kind of get a taste of more of what I do and get some free information is my website, JanetDentonHouse.com. And there I have a blog there and I have a YouTube channel. Thanks, Sarah. We'll link that below. My 30 Days to Wanting It More program is self-guided and we also have live rounds every once in a while. We just finished up the live round, which means that now my husband and I did Q&As for each of the five weeks of the program. And I think if you come in for anything, those were so much fun to record. Oh, cool. And so they're in it. They were awesome. And we didn't touch upon it here, but oh yeah, we did actually. We talked about a little bit my husband pornography addiction. So he's very open, very candid about his journey. And I think he's just so great. <laughs> he provides so much that I can't because I don't have a male brain, right? Right, right. So yeah, that's JanetDentonHouse.com slash 30 dash days. You can find more information about that there. Perfect. Oh my gosh. So many great resources. This has been so fantastic. We could go on and on and on. <laughs> so thank you. I know that like we both were like, let's talk fast and cram in as much as we can. So well done. We did a great job. <laughs> we did it. Woo. We and I really now. want to encourage people to connect with you and reach out. And I will have everything linked up in the show notes so people can connect with you on your website and through the 30 day program. And really, like I said, take it in the direction that might feel appropriate for them at this time in their lives. So thank you. Thank you, Jana. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sarah. This is awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for spending time with me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. I really, really appreciate you being here. If this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you get all episodes as soon as they're released and you never miss an episode. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the little subscribe button. While you're there, please also rate and review the show. Let me know what you loved. Let me know in what ways you are a shameless mom. And remember, 
Shameless Mom of the Week nominations come from our reviews. So if you want to be nominated, you got to leave a review. So make sure you leave a review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And lastly, share this episode with other shameless moms in your lives. The way the show grows and the way we build our community is by you all spreading the word. So take a screenshot of this episode, share it on social media, tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. I will make sure I reply as quickly as I possibly can, sending you lots of loves and shout outs. And I can't wait to connect with you there. Until next time, have a great day. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 